Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was a cold, wet night in October, and disaster struck. We were recording the girl in the fireplace. My microphone decided not to work. Terror. Panic. Struck us all. However, Damla spent an considerable amount of time focusing on getting the audio listenable to. She has done an incredible job. She is incredible. She's always incredible. And she doesn't even realise how incredible she is. So everybody, when you listen to this, please say thank you specifically to Damla for bringing you every episode, but specifically this episode, in an actual listenable to state. I really hope you enjoy it. It's a really fun one. It's a really silly one, as per usual. So sit back, relax, enjoy. And welcome to Come Along Pond, a Doctor Who discussion podcast with your best friends. Elliot. And Damla. Oh my god. I just how are you? I I am pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Not not too bad. Uh not had a great day. Very, very happy to be able to squash any potential emotional feelings I have by just recording my favourite thing in the whole world. Me too. With one of my favourite people. Girl, you know how I feel. But how, yeah, so you're good, you're all good? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I felt good. Like, I felt like you sort of agreed and then I was like, oh, maybe I don't need to ask you, but then I realised it was really rude. Just go, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. I'll you're tell good. you what, mm-hmm. I'm especially good 
after big finish, go straight in there with general, not even, this isn't even news. This is just admin things, but things I want to mention. Big finish came through with the absolute goods. And obviously I don't know when this is going to be released, but please go and find this if you haven't seen it yet. I'm sure you have, but Big Finish released an interview with Camille Kaduri and Billy Piper, and we were fed, ladies, ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon. Jesus Christ. It's very, very, very good. It's like seven minutes. Girls, gays, and theys, let me tell you, we've been fed. We've really and truly been fed. I'm bursting at the seams. My zip is coming undone in my trousers. I honestly, those two ladies are just everything. They're everything. It was... There's something so wonderful about the chemistry that they have and knowing that they don't particularly stay in touch but also get on with each other so well in person that they don't feel the need to stay in touch. They're just like a real mother and daughter. They're not sort of living in each other's pockets, but they fucking love each other. That's the thing. I love those relationships because I have a few of those, I'm sure you do as well, where it's like, you know, you don't always talk every day. But when you do speak after if it's like two every two weeks or something or once a month, it's like nothing's changed. And you don't need to, you know, it's just one of those things. And it's really nice. Yeah, I want to be Camille Kaduri's friend. Camille Kaduri, this is for you. If you want to come on this podcast, oh my God, you are so welcome. Always welcome. Any woman who can stand in a recording booth for hours on end recording a high-end audio drama in a massive fur coat. Yeah, fair play. Oh, my God. I loved those clips. They looked so good. Um, but one of my favourite things that's come out of it is that suddenly <laughs> in the in the niche little community of, like, Jackie stands in Doctor Who, it's like there's a bit in the interview where she says, the darkness. And people have been using that clip of her saying the darkness in <laughs> in memes. It's because she says it in such a such a specific way. She's talking about a list of things, but when she gets to it, she's like, "Oh, this, 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 the darkness." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and has like a few seconds of pause before she carries on what she's saying. It's very odd, but it's amazing. It's amazing, and uh, my favorite tweet that I saw um, is from a Doctor Who Twitter page, and they were like, "Oh, um, when what, what's you know when Rose is like, oh, um, some what was it?" It's coming, Donna. Nothing can stop it. Donna, what is Rose? Except it's not Rose. It's Camille Kadiri going, the darkness. That is, <laughs> uh, that, is a, that is a banger sweet, to be fair, and also put out there by Bad Wolf Archive, one of my favourite. Oh, they're the, yeah. yeah. They are, they keep us fed, to be honest. They're very good. Thank you, Bad Wolf Archive. Some more admin. We have not one, but two incredible emails that have come through, which we're going to read right now. That's right. I got my lemon and honey teas warm up the vocal cords to read out some more beautiful emails from you wonderful people. Yes. Um, <laughs> so our first one here uh, is from a wonderful person called Kitty. Um, love that name. Love, love, love a kitty. You don't hear that very much anymore, but love a kitty is great. It's giving Jane Austen, you know. Yeah. So this is what she has to say. Hello. 
I've not stopped listening to your podcast since I found your TikTok page a few days ago. Listening has made me so happy because none of my friends have ever seen Doctor Who and I've nobody to talk to about it. Can I just interject? That is incredibly sad. All of your friends should have seen Doctor Who, uh, but also always happy to chat about it. Send us a message. We'll just do this, but to you in person, nonstop. Exactly. Listening makes you feel really happy and helps you focus on my uni work. I'm also autistic, and Doctor Who is one of my special interests, so this podcast holds a special place in my heart. Looking forward to the next episode already. Kitty, smiley face. Um, from one unable to focus on their uni work, autistic Doctor Who fan to another. You hold a special place in our hearts, Kitty. Thank you so much, Kitty. Honestly, that was such a lovely... That was such a lovely email. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that people who email in feel that they can share things with us because it's just so stunningly beautiful that there is enough trust between us and you that there are things about yeah. your lives that you want to tell us. Again, it's why we also always ask for consent to make sure you want these things actually read out. But we really appreciate that you know, there are people who really do pour their hearts out to us on email because it sounds cheesy, but honestly, it really does make our... Our days, our weeks, our months, or even our years. Um, we really yeah, love it. Yeah, agreed, yeah. yeah. French it really does. It was. Brief, sweet, little tears. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved, loved it. it. Uh, and this one is uh, less sentimental. But my God, is it content with a capital C. It's great. It's so great. Let's just, just dive in, babe. Go on. <clears throat> so this is from Scott. And Scott says... Hi, Hi Scott. Dandler and Elliot. Hi, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dandler and Elliot. My name is Scott, 22 years old, from Dan South. I assume you mean in the south of England. We will carry on. Some cute little yeah. facts about me. Favourite doctor, Capaldi. Brackets, don't kill me. I would never kill you. Dandler, on the other hand, that's a separate issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Anyway... <laughs> He's a fantastic actor. Never feel ashamed of what you love. No, he is a fantastic actor, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Favourite seasons, three and nine. This is where I'll kill you. Three is good. Nine's terrible. What are you doing, Scott? Uh, Favourite companion, (laughs) Martha. Bingo. Bang on the money. She's great. Love Martha on this podcast. Bang on the fucking money, babe. Oh, wow. Favourite episodes, Midnight. Gotta say, that's up there for me. Top tier Doctor Who, love Midnight. And listen, yep. gotta say, Scott, gotta love with you, gotta be honest, I think it's a Peter Capaldi episode. Can't remember it for the life of me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I recently discovered your podcast on TikTok and was immediately pulled in. I've just managed to binge through all your currently released episodes in the space of three days. Wow, that is brave. Uh, and that loved is every impressive. second. I must say, listening to you both has definitely helped me getting through the dreadful sleeping routine I'm currently stuck in, hence why this email is being sent at 2.50am. LOL. Scott, I wouldn't even have noticed because I would have been in bed, but, you know, fair play. So, thank you for that. I absolutely cannot wait to keep on listening in the future and see how much your amazing podcast evolves. Uh, I once co-hosted RuPaul's Drag Race podcast for a short time of how much fun it is to talk about a show you're so passionate about. Scott, where's the name? Where's the deets? We could have shouted you out. This is amazing. Drop Give us the yeah. app. I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, but I'd love to listen. Please, let us let us know. Send it to us on Instagram. Something, please. I love a bit of RuPaul, I'm not going to lie. I really do. I know how much fun it is to talk about a show that you're really passionate about, and that passion really just shows you both talking about Doctor Who, and it is pure magic to listen to. I've been a massive Doctor Who fan since I was around five years old, and recently began a binge of the show. I'm currently on season 10. Yikes. I concur. Uh, with the show fresh in my mind, I would love for you guys to answer some of my questions. I hope they're as fun as I think they are. Ha-ha! <laughs> um, so it's going to be... 
Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we didn't. We, we, only one of these was prepped for because one is specifically for Damla. I've got to say, Scott, feeling a little insulted. There wasn't one specifically for me. Are you insinuating I don't have enough of personality on this podcast for you to cultivate a question Get just for me? Idiot. Don't Get appreciate fucked. that. But there are three questions. First two, <laughs> general all round. The second one, like I say, just for Damla. Okay. So, question one. I'll ask Damla. She can ask the same thing back to me. Damla, cool. if Martha stayed on as the primary companion for season four, how do you think the show would have been different without Donna, and what do you think would have happened with Martha's story? I think... Now, this is an interesting one. First of all, can I say, Scott, thank you so much for these questions, because they're actually, like... They they actually made me think, and they actually made me delve into my noggin, which I don't do very often. I have to be honest with you, darling. I have to be honest with you. So, to answer your first question... I think the sh- the way the show would have been different, I genuinely think we may have actually got more of a storyline where the companion is kind of struggling a little bit, maybe, with, with like... Because, obviously, Martha's gone through a whole fucking lot. Like, she just went and saved the Earth. She... 365 days, my girl went round the Earth, yeah? You know, spreading the word. And she's got battle scars. She's, she went through a lot of shit. So I genuinely think the next season would still be full of adventures and still a lot of fun, but I do think we would see Martha going, maybe taking more of a different stance with Ten. I think the whole romance thing would have completely died out um, and it would have been more of like, I'm on your level now, don't talk down to me, I'm way more capable than you think I am. And then also him supporting her because she's going through a lot of stuff. I think that's kind of how it would have panned out. Darling, Elliot, what about you? Um... Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because I I can't see Martha leaving any later than season three. That just worked so well for the cap off of that. Yeah, and her becoming a member of Unit and everything uh, is set up so well. But yeah, I definitely think that I think it would be a less fun series because I think series four is fun with a capital F. Um, yeah, there's lots of <laughs> yeah, there's you know it, it 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 deals with heavy topics as per usual. But yeah, there is lots of fun and games to be had because the Doctor and Donna have that really playful edge so I think it would be probably a, a, a grittier more kind of down of things gone probably have a bit more of the tone of maybe some of the uh, the specials for 10 regenerates there and yeah definitely I think Martha would be over her crush on the Doctor and she would probably be a bit more serious I don't think she'd be that same kind of lovable Martha Jones but I think her drive to help people would be in in overdrive, like genuinely. Yeah, yeah, it would be, it would be there. I think she'd become really compassionate and really empathetic, uh, and I think it would be quite fun to see, actually. Um, Big Martha Gurleys over here. Elliot oh, and I are massive Martha Gurleys, and you will find that out when we get to series three. Just if we're oh my pl- God. if we're plugging Big Finish from earlier, um, the Year of Martha Jones series that they did, which follows her and. Uh, Francine travelling across the globe uh, to spread the word of the Doctor is genuinely entertaining. Both uh, Free Management and Adoja and Do do amazing jobs in that. So I need to listen to that. Listen. Um, okay, question two. Damla, what did you personally find more heartbreaking? Donna forgetting the Doctor or the Doctor forgetting Clara? Doctor forgetting Donna? Like that is that even a trick question? Uh, Scott, no offence, babe, but... No, like I'm sorry, Scott. We're also we are also on this podcast, Clara fans. But oh no, we're big Clara girlies as some, well. Something you will come to realise is it's mostly because we are uh, season seven B 
Clara and Eleven shippers rather than Clara twelve girlies really. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry. About that. Sorry, everyone. And plus, as you know, I I just grew up with that era of the show, so I kind of don't think I realised that's what's happening at the time. And then go back and rewatching it and realising that my favourite lovable little Donna Noble can't remember the doctor or a head will explode is upsetting viscerally. But this one is for Danla. Uh, I it could is. have partaken, but um, you know, quite frankly, the... you don't have taste. <laughs> didn't have didn't have the time to delve into an entire back catalogue of an artist. So question three. Brackers. This one is for Damler. Swifties unite. I assume that's some kind yeah. of reference. <laughs> if each of the new Who doctors were a Taylor Swift album, which ones would they be? Now, here's the thing, Scott. This actually had me <laughs> sitting down and brainstorming because I really sat there looking through all of the track lists of every goddamn Taylor album, and I was like, I am, I am doing this properly, or I'm not answering it at all. Again, if you're not aware on this on this podcast, if you've not heard me talk about it before, big Taylor Swift fan over here, massive, massive, massive Taylor Swift fan, like to the level of like I would also do a Taylor Swift podcast. Like, that's my bitch. That's my main bitch. So, but this is what I thought. So, for nine, he he felt like a reputation girly to me. You know, very reputation, very look what you made me do energy. Um, 10. Now, this one's a mix. For me, he's either red or fearless. More so leaning towards red. But fearless, fearless, I feel like, is 10 in series two. And then in series three, four and the specials, he's more red. Do you know what I mean? So that's that. Um, 11, very 1989, very fun, very upbeat. Has the really sad moments, really, you know, clean. We have clean moments. We have some out-of-the-woods moments, but then we also have the Welcome to New York moments, you know? So, 11 is 100% 1989. Um, 12, for, for me, for me, it feels very <laughs> speak now energy, you know, back to December, but also better than revenge, you know what I mean? Like, I can, I can see that for 12. And then 13, I feel like comes as no surprise, lover, 100%. 13 is flowery, colourful, fun, Gay anthems, everything. It is absolutely lover is thirteen. That's what I think. That's that's my rundown. Well, there we are, Scott. I hope you got something out of that. I really hope you enjoyed. Anyway, with all of that being said and done and dusted, let's just talk about the episode. I think it's time. <laughs> time. <laughs> it's like clocks, isn't it? Oh, I didn't even make that connection. I didn't even make that as <laughs> a joke. Thought, I thought it was a joke, yeah. I mean, the same as a joke, huh? I'm hilarious. To be fair, I guess time's just a generic Doctor Who pun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Always bring a banana to a party, Rose. Bananas are good. So today on the show we are talking about The Girl in the Fireplace. It is episode four, 
Is it episode four? It is episode four of series two. Episode five, technically, if we count the Christmas invasion, but I'm going to say that on top of every episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was broadcast on the 6th of May 2006. It was directed by A. Ross Lynn and written by Stephen Moffat. Oh boy, was it. As, <laughs> I know we said it. Save was, it. I know we said it at the top of <laughs> Dr. Dances, but oh boy, was it written by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> but we are absolutely pressed for time in this episode. It's very late at night. I have work in the morning, so we're just going to run through this one like clockwork. <laughs> that's 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 it. It's the best I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the best I got. So, Elliot, before we get into the girl in the fireplace, I know what Google thinks this is about. I know what Stephen Moffat thinks this is about. Hell, I know what IMDb thinks this is about. But, darling, what do you think it's about? I think this this episode and. Uh, we'll get maybe into troubling implications and other things that I have feelings on more in the pod. But if you'll allow me to be genuinely nice for a moment, break character a little, it's about how you could meet a girl at 23 and she'd be dead by 43. So just try and spend every minute with her. Yeah. Fair dues, fair dues, fair dues. But damn look. What do you think the episode is about? Well, what this what this episode is about, it's it's a reminder to block up your fireplaces because you can get a draft, you can get you know bits of brick falling through, creating an absolute dusty mess, or you can just get a really creepy guy talking to you through a fucking fireplace, which you don't want. The, th- the three main irritations of a fireplace: drafts, falling bricks, stroke pigeons, also sometimes, uh, yeah, and sexual misconduct. Yep. Yeah. Which we're not a fan of here, we're but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, yeah, the episode. Wow, I hate this. Um, <laughs> I just... I've got to preload that. Just straight in there. I've got to preload that. I fucking hate it, to be honest. I mean, no, some... It's, it is enjoyable enough to watch. It doesn't go... doesn't drag, doesn't go, like, slowly. But there are a lot of creative decisions in this episode. Which there were choices fundamentally disagree with on quite a visceral human level, Stephen Moffat, you <laughs> Scottish monster. <laughs> okay, I don't hate it. She doesn't hate it. However, <laughs> I have issues. I have a lot of issues. Yeah, hate is hate is a strong word. I don't, don't hate it. I think part of the dislike for it is compounded by the fact that everybody seems to love it. Yeah. And I don't get it. Do you mind if I start? Because I have a really big point I want to get out there right up top. Absolutely. I'm gonna pre I'm gonna preface this. She's gonna preface it. <laughs> preface, preface. Um if you know you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know I'm gonna preface this. <laughs> gotta gotta preface. Um I think I'm genuinely really dense. I think I genuinely am an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm gonna tell you why I'm stupid. Why has it taken me this many fucking years, yeah, to clock that this is basically the 11th hour? Um, God, desperately trying to remember anything about the 11th hour. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm just, no, I'm just, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because of the pond. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just gotcha. to refresh anyone's mind, including Elliot's. No, no, I've got you now. I've got you now. <laughs> to refresh everyone's mind, in the 11th hour, 
One of my favourite episodes, I have to say. Boo. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> the Doctor, the 11th Doctor, freshly regenerated, crashes the TARDIS into Amy Pond's garden. Child Amy Pond. The child Amy Pond. He promises to come back and take her on adventures. He gets the timings wrong because the TARDIS is effed. She, she's going through it. And comes back and Amy is all grown up. And basically... A young Amy, I'm sure. Why am I so? Hang on, well, hold on. Why am I explaining this on a Doctor Who podcast? You all know what happened in the 11th hour. I think the coincidences of Stephen Moffat having two separate episodes where the Doctor abandons a child, then goes back and thinks she's all sexed up and decides to snog her at some point is too creepy. It's too that's too, too many, Stephen. It's too many. It's, it's too, too, many. too many, Steve. What are you doing? I mean, granted, right, I... he, doesn't, he doesn't choose to kiss Amy Pond, I get it, she sexually assaults him, but, you know. I mean, guys, to be really honest with you, when we get to Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone, oh my lord, that kiss scene, we are just going to warn you now, we are probably going to have like half an hour talking about it, because, oh my god, is it problematic. Yeah, and almost as problematic as the ones in this. Jesus. So, yeah, let's get to it. So basically... <laughs> This is the thing. So first of all, I'm an idiot. Didn't realise the parallels between 11th hour and the girl in the fireplace. Jesus Christ. Jesus <laughs> wept. I had oh, noticed, to be fair. my God. No, but genuinely, I was watching it and I was like, I'm actually an idiot. Like, I'm actually fucking dumb. <laughs> um, Literal soup. Actual soup. Full of beans. <laughs> full of beans. Minestrone. <laughs> No one could see what Elliot was doing, but they were pointing out their head and saying, Minestrone. <laughs> it's great. Um, so anyway, fuck me. So the Doctor, Mickey and Rose, can I just say that little trio, hilarious. Very, Abs- very funny. Absolutely hard agree. But if we're gonna if we're gonna preload hot takes, I guess, and also hatreds of Stephen Moffat, he <sighs> They don't do it. Then they're given nothing to do. Stephen Moffat can't write for the companions. I don't like it. But that's a discussion the for for Ron. Who's Ron? You might say later on. That's the question. Yeah, that's the answer. I just want to say another thing. For me, I don't hate Stephen Moffat and his writing. I no, we no, we, we both don't hate Stephen Moffat as a person. No, we don't. Of course, no, we lo- don't. But lo- lovely man. Um, lovely man. I've also... actually met him, and I've mentioned this before. I think on the yeah, podcast, so I won't go into yeah. it. But and has written some good things. I just find a lot of his writing intolerable. Yeah, exactly. So, like, just because we're saying doesn't mean we hate everything he's done. It's just there's a lot of things he's done where it's like yeah. that was a choice, darling. Like, guys, when I call Stephen Moffat a Scottish monster, I'm not being serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not serious. It's because I know that it's going to get down the crying at the start of the episode. No, basically, right. Here's the gag. Here's the gag. Good on, Whatever. Um, <laughs> I also actually want to say, while we're here and giving prefaces, prefaces. Yes. Sophia Miles, we're going to forget that she defended Noel Clark, okay? We're going to forget that she's an a- that she's actually an idiot, that she's actually confused and confuddled in her head. We're going to forget that. So if I'm ever, like, saying anything positive about her, just know it's to do with her performance, the character, and not her as a person because she's actually not yeah. a very nice person and we always um, have to say the same thing about Noel Clark as well because actually I quite enjoy Mickey in this episode but any praise will be laid solely at the feet of the character Mickey how he's written and the acting choices that Noel Clark made for us aware that he was an actual piece of shit 
Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> just to get that out of the way, that's that. Um, so you've got Mickey, Rose and Ten on the SS Madame de Pompadour, which I also don't know that's what it is yet. Before I get there, the ship design is absolutely flipping gorgeous. Oh my God. The rotations. Oh, girl. Yeah, yeah, it's a really yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. It's a really nice, smart design for a ship, and almost makes up for you know, the the almost makes up for the fact that the insides, of, you know, just classic standard BBC Doctor Who spaceship fare, particularly uninspired, yeah. but the outside design is lovely. Oh, I just love this. is my favorite Doctor Who ship. I'm just going to say that now. Genuinely, my favorite Doctor Who ship. Actually, genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. That's fair enough. I can't think of any for comparison. But, you know, genuinely my favourite. Yeah, so they're on the ship and they realise that there are time windows into, is it 18th century? Yeah, 1727 was it the first time this year? So there are time windows to the 18th century and there is a fireplace. And you're like, oh, what's the 18th century fireplace doing there? The doctor looks through and there's a tiny little girl on the other side. And all of this first bit, love, love, obsessed iconic iconic love it you get your clockwork droid in there yeah love them like i have my i have my issues with the uh, and this is not to do the quality it's more a personal taste thing i don't i never enjoy the um fairy tale aspect of doctor who that Stephen moffat brings to the table it's not my kind of thing so whilst the opening scene doesn't necessarily like it's not my. It's not to my personal taste. It is objectively a well put together and quite nicely written opening scene. Yeah, and for me, for me, for me, um, for you, I eat up the fairy tale shit. I love it. Obsessed with it. Can't get enough. Uh, kind of miss it to be honest. Um, but yeah, I love this first scene, and you get your clockwork droids straight up. You know, Mister Thick Thickety Thick Face Thick Town of Thickania. Love him. So's your dad. Um, and so is his dad. Um, yeah, because I, I I like I think the jump scare is well executed actually in that scene. Like the realizing the clock is broken, but there still being a ticking is very subtle, kind of creepy little reveal. And the score, the way Murray's kind of play mm. with the score and the ticking, so good. Um, and and I like sorry very nichely. I really enjoy the weird jump scare thing. So do I. So do I. So the clockwork droids there tell me now. I love this design. This is one of my favourite Doctor Who monsters, creatures, robot, whatever you want to call it. One of my favourites. I absolutely... I love I love a little Victorian slash... Not Victorian. I love a little mask moment. I really do. I'm here for it. What do you think? Yeah, I just... I wish they were in a better episode and utilised better because they are... I wish they were brought back, kind of. Yeah, they are a really iconic design and it would be interesting to see them in different period clothing. I tell you what, when they take the mask off and it's just the clockwork head, obsessed, obsessed. Yeah. Again, for all of for all of the crap we give the show about its woeful production design, you know that is astoundingly well realised. You got all that going on. I have to say, yes, the set does look like a BBC set. I agree with you. However, the idea is cool. Oh yeah. Very, it's, very cool. Yeah, it's it, it, astonishingly well realised. Again, this is an episode I think that is, is written not in a good way particularly often, but is something that then 
for me personally lacks in Moffat's full era is that the writing is constantly like this, but the production team just aren't as strong or on their A game for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Sorry. Soz. Uh. But Soz. yeah. And then obviously. The Doctor goes back through the fireplace and then when he comes back, that's when you realise there is t- uh, the time does jump quite severely, actually. You know, the the time windows are very iffy-whiffy. He, he does take the clockwork droid back with him, though, and uses the fire extinguisher yeah. to freeze him. And that image of him using the fire extinguisher is burned into my head. From, it's so burned into my head. I, I I assume only through copious seeing the next time trailer, but never really watching the episode. Yeah. Just that yeah. one shot of him, just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like there. It's just right there in the noggin, full of beans. It's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Frontal lobe, right in the cortex. Carry on. Literally, um, Rose and Mickey in this episode. Why is that you and me when we talk about love and monsters? Like, there's something serious. Everyone's trying to be serious about Doctor Who. Not even just love and monsters. Us just about Doctor Who in general. <laughs> Everyone over there being 10, being very serious about the situation. And you and me with our ice guns going around a ship being like, woo, what's happening? Here we go. I feel like that's you and me. That is you and me going around a ship. <laughs> I, mean, I can't disagree with that, but hopefully we'd be given more character. I agree with the fact that they don't have much character in the episode, but they're having way so they're they're, they're having so much fun. They're right, having I, so much fun. I have a point about it towards the end. We will get to it. That's fine. I want to ask you something, Elliot. Actually, now obviously a massive character in the episode is Renette. You know, Madame de Pompadour. Yes. The 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 woman, the myth, the legend. How do you feel about her? How do you feel about the, about the performance? Because this is a really key part of the episode, and I really want to gauge what you think. Because I have thoughts. About the performance, not just so the the character, the performance, everything like just. Um, I think, I think the character is interesting. I think she's given some agency, but I think you're told a lot more often about what she's good at rather than actually being shown what she's good at. Uh, you know, she's kind of feisty, a bit fiery, which is fine. You know, typical sort of Moffat woman character, which is. It's not necessarily a criticism. You know, I quite enjoy that she has a bit of agency about herself, especially for a woman from the 18th century. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, a little underexplored. Um, just all a bit strange, really. Like, she's performed fine, I guess. Like, I don't know, she's not like a, a standout bit part player, but she's not performed badly. Uh, you know, again, regardless of opinion about Sophia Miles. Um, I just all think it's a bit, it's just a bit, Strange, I think it's really trying to make something. It's really trying to make something special here. That's kind of equal to the Doctor that we're going to be heartbroken about. But ultimately, you're constrained by forty-five minutes of television with multiple characters to cram in, and it just doesn't quite stick the landing for me in regards to her character development. So... <laughs> okay, so everything you've just said there is really interesting. So I, when I was younger, I really liked this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really liked it. Yeah. And I used to get very emotionally moved by it. I used to just feel so many emotions. And I think it's because I was such a little hopeless romantic. And I was like, oh, I want someone to come and save me. All that shit. So now that I'm an adult woman and I've rewatched this with hindsight and, you know, just... just I mean, obviously, I don't go in with a certain lens. I genuinely don't. When I watch Doctor Who, I go in with... Just, I'm just watching Doctor Who. Um, 
I just feel I completely agree with you with the uh, her being underdeveloped. For me, I think again this is regardless of what she's done. This is not me just saying it because she's not the best person. I honestly think the performance is just really lacking, mm. like severely lacking. Yeah, it has that sort of, um, and I think as a lover of the period drama, you might agree with me here. It oh yeah, ha- yeah, it has that kind of. I'm doing a period piece. How did people talk in the past? Oh, yeah, mo- monotone and posh, and rearranged some words without Very giving it that. any kind of nuance. Whereas, so I quite, I was so quite excited by a period drama where they sort of don't like where they fuck around the language and make it modern because it sort of lets the actor sometimes have this kind of freedom to really get into the character. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm a big lover of stupid flowery language. I like old languages. I have no problem with original Shakespeare. I really enjoy it. But I do understand that kind of sometimes actors focus too much on getting that kind of, oh, am I doing the cadence and the language of like how someone will talk in the past? And then they don't actually give the character a performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, yeah. she really falls into that trap here, personally. Do you know what it is? I think she's given, because there's some lines that she's given that are so good. Mm. And she delivers them just so over the top yeah. and a bit dramatic. There is one bit that I really like in her performance, actually, is when the the clockwork droids come into the ballroom and she's like, everyone, stop with all this commotion, such distressing noise. And she's like, really taken control in that moment and then like she's like you know i'm not afraid of you you're the nightmare of my childhood like she's really good in that moment in that scene i really like her in that scene everywhere else i'm like i don't know i don't know sophia i really don't know if it's doing it for me actually i also do like the bit at the end when she takes the doctor back to the original fireplace and then he goes through to the other side that bit's quite good but Mm. everywhere else it's like there's certain lines that she speaks i'm like i don't believe you (laughs) yeah Yeah. are you sure you know? It's because she doesn't need a character. She's a sexy, sexy blonde lady. Well, this is the thing. Okay, let's just get to the root. Let's get to the root. Let's get to the knit, the grit, and the shit. So, I have such an issue, as I, I, I think everyone should. The Doctor met her as a child. Yes, seven years old. And Seven years old, and then meets her again, and is very clearly attracted to her. And they kiss and they have basically a little romance moment. I just, it's ick. It's icky, it's sticky, it's just for not me, it. For me, what pushed it over the edge is if they if they shared a kiss, it might be a bit weird, but I could kind of accept it. So it's the fact that you definitely see on his face that he finds her attractive. But you could almost, even if it was just the face, you could kind of go, oh, maybe he's actually just shocked because, like, she was seven, now she's, like, 23 and she's a woman and that's quite a, an astonishing thing to see in, like, the space of two minutes. For me, it's the sort of horrible, almost parody, James Bond-esque, look her up and down and say, my, how you've grown. Oh, I hated that. Oh, my God, Elliot, Elliot, I fucking... Oh, my God, oh, my God. If you you were writing a Bond parody, that'd be, like, the what's the creepiest, perviest thing we could get him to say. And this is the Tenth Doctor. And do you know what's really interesting? Tell me if you agree with me or disagree. It felt so out of character for the Doctor for me. Yeah, that's a part of again part of why I don't like this episode because you know the 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 companions have nothing to do. Moffat feels inconvenienced by them. He's giving no writing or anything to Madame de Pompadour as a character, and then they're just trying to make ten this like generic romance action hero, and something that again I'm sure we'll get into that I'm sure you'll agree. It just then also completely discounts 
10 rows as a thing for a whole episode. Oh my god, forget it. And it pisses me off. Girl, girl, listen, okay. So I, yes, yes, as always, yes. Everything to what you just said. Honestly, what the fuck? So, like, it it just annoys me because it's like, what? Well, I just want to go up to 10 and give him, just grab him by the throat and go, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck is going on? Because he's being... The, do- the Doctor is acting so out of character. And, you know, not to jump too forward in the timeline of Doctor Who, but, you know, we keep it moving and grooving here. Eleven and River, I used to actually not like very much. But as I've grown older, I appreciate them a lot more. And actually, I find it... Re- I really like how the Doctor acts with River specifically because I think it really highlights how the Doctor feels about genuine human emotion here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, the Doctor obviously loves River Song. There is absolutely no doubt about that in anyone's mind. No doubt in my mind, no doubt in your mind, I'm sure. No doubt in anyone's mind, it's the facts. The Doctor loves River Song. But the Doctor can't show love in the same way that other people can or other, you know, life forms can. Because, and it's just beautiful. Sorry, because along with also being incredibly sensory, the Doctor is definitely slightly autistic. Oh, 100%. And we'll probably do an episode about that at some point. But so, This is my new running theory. People have been going with it on TikTok and as uh, someone who is is uh, feels so, feel so weird with like someone who's also autistic that's such a horrible way to phrase it but i can't think of a better way to say it um but it's, uh, yeah as someone who uh understands and relates i'm actually quite enjoying this kind of being into doctor being quite autistic kind of thing it, it's been it's been interesting and we're keen to develop this millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting idea that we really really want to touch on more but yeah so like i like the fact that the doctor finds romance complicated i like that and this episode just takes that and goes nah bye like i don't like that because after this episode then it just continues like that you know what i mean like it continues with the thing of the doctor finding romance strange and uncomfortable and weird but also inevitably falls into that category do you know what i'm saying so it's like when when 10 is acting like, literally what you said, like, parody James Bond, it's actually giving ick. Like, Ten, step the fuck back, bitch. The fuck are you doing? You're looking stupid. You're looking real fucking dumb. And then second of all, Rose is right there. The love of your life is right there. What are you doing? Also, like, how good was that kiss? Re- realistically, to make you reassess your whole attitude towards love and relationships. David and Sophia were dating at the time. Mm-hmm. 
they were very in a very open relationship. Like he took her to like premieres and stuff, and like it was very obvious that they were dating. Not I don't know open if... listener, as in the sense that they were inviting third parties in for uh, sexual needs. No. but open as in the fact that it was not a secret. Got got to clear that up. <laughs> Just got to clear that up. Yeah, I don't know if they met on Doctor Who and then had a relationship, or they met before. But either way, they were into each other, and there was no hiding it. They were both very attracted to each other. And I think that is genuinely part of the performance. Mm. And that's not me saying David is like a bad actor for letting that get in the way. If anything, it probably helped him engage in what the writing was telling him to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah, I think that is just genuinely a good thing to point out, because their their chemistry is undeniable. They have chemistry, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. And I the- think part of that is, you know, to do with the fact they were dating. The only bit of that scene that I like that feels suitably tempted Doctor is whilst I don't enjoy that he gets kissed, I do enjoy that he does go, I'm the Doctor, and I just snogged Madame de Pompadour. Like, he does seem like something he would genuinely be excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't need to get kissed for that to happen, but I enjoy that for that brief moment in that scene, that's his takeaway from it, is not, oh, I've been kissed by the beautiful lady. It's like... I've been kissed by an important historical figure. That feels doctory. That is very doctory. That very, very doctory. I completely agree with you. Ruined. Um, but yeah, so that, that's just, you know, that's our thoughts on that, I guess. Because... It's such an important part of the episode. It's so important. And it's like, I just, I find it so icky, sticky and nasty. I don't like yeah. the fact that, like, the Doctor's acting very out of character. He's, you know, he's seen this young girl and then he's attracted to her and she's older and it's really weird. It's just really weird. It's really weird and I don't like it. Um, it's not for me. It's really, really not. Um, yeah, that's that, I guess. On the other hand, Rose. I do actually think that Rose, whilst she doesn't sort of often display kind of any jealous tendencies in this. There are a couple of times where I feel like she's trying to get digs in um, because one of the moments that had me genuinely rolling... Uh, <laughs> I is, know what you're going to say. I know it, what you're going to say. It's, 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 it's her calling Renette Camilla. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> even, even yeah, Camilla. Even the doctor's like, yeah, all right, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, just the way she says it. But even then, they're rela- I'm actually kind of intrigued by that relationship because obviously she's his official mistress, but they all live together and she gets along with his wife. That's fucking iconic. That's I live for that. I do like that. As the doctor as the doctor would say, they're French. It's another planet. It's great. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, I want to go that. and look into that. Yeah. Absolutely do. But no, I think Rose, and so now we're talking about Rose. Like you said, I love her little side comments and digs. She isn't as jealous in this episode, which again is quite out of character for her, I feel like. Yeah. Like it's it's nice to not have her have her be so um overly jealous as she was in school reunion, but for there not to be anything It's just weird. Feels a bit odd. Um, there's obviously glances here and there, but like I needed a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, again, you know I don't like her jealousy, but I feel like a little more would have been a little bit it's okay we like a little bit but yeah. not too much because sometimes they feel like they're going to do it as well again don't want to jump right towards the end of the episode but like she does say to the doctor she's like why her and you think oh is she gonna but it just why her as in why do they need her parts for the spaceship yeah, yeah. but when she says exactly. that i always go oh this is oh yeah of course yeah why her go on bring it up and then i i realize what it actually is about and then you realize it. that's not the case <sighs> but i really also love that we 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 again have Rose's little girly chats. She has a little chat with Renette. They bring it back. 
they bring it back and it's a it's great i will say though renette calling rose child is fucking annoying like don't who, 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 yeah you're madame de pompadour but that's rose that's that's dame rose tyler of the power estate bitch fucking know your place calling a child who do you think you are cassandra chip <laughs> literally like no but it was the way she called her child and i was like so patronizing and i hated it well, if Madame de Pompadour was played by the actor who played Chip, then it'd be ten times more enjoyable. Oh, Chip. We love Chip. For me... For me? For me, and I don't want to keep dwelling on the end, but like we say, we like to keep it moving and grooving. Ving. What I don't buy about Ten and Rose in this episode is that for a woman that he's met four times... And yeah. it's fancy since she's a child, that mm-hmm. the doctor would voluntarily stay in pre-revolutionary France, leaving Rose behind. And not I don't even have a problem that he wants to do that, but at least give me a scene where he and Rose talk about it. Great minds think alike, because same. How is that? Okay, listen, yeah, listen, listen, listen. Open your ears. Open your ears. <laughs> And he's my words. The Doctor, yeah. The Doctor and Rose, they've been through shit at, up until this point. We're not talking about after this point, but for, to this point, up until this point, they've really gone through it, okay? Rose took in the time vortex for this man and literally created Bad Wolf so she could go back to that moment and help him. Like, these guys are really intrigued. They are tight, okay? You're telling me that you're meeting this woman, like you said, four times, and you're going to stay in France on the slow path with this woman. That's actually the biggest load of rubbish I've ever seen. You're telling me you're leaving Rose and Mickey to fend for themselves as well? Mm-hmm. They can't fly the TARDIS. Rose ain't going to open it up and go, oh, let me just take the time walk text in again real quick and, you know, fly here, there and everywhere. Fucking, no, sorry. It's really not making any sense. Make it make sense. Having to leave her behind, potentially in Bad Wolf, parting other ways, is one of the hardest decisions that the Doctor ever has to make. And in this, exactly, literally, it's just for a plot synopsis. I really don't like it. Um, like, yeah. if we're just going to keep on... It. If we're going to keep on the Rose train... Something that I have written down, and I mean, I guess you can decide if it's too mean to get rid of or not, but I think that deep down what it comes down to is that Stephen Moffat's writing is just too misogynistic to reflect Rose in a meaningful way. One of the ways I was feeling this as well is when Mm. the Rose... When the Rose? (laughs) The Rose child. (laughs) Um, When her and Mickey are like strapped (laughs) to those tables and the clockwork people are threatening them with their big clockworky knives... Yeah. I get, right, for the for the gag in that scene to work, she has to be talking about the oncoming storm so he can come yeah. in singing with his tie around his head. But yeah. the whole time I was going, but this is Rose. She she would be going, you, you want to threaten me? She'd be going, Daleks, I met the Emperor. Turned him into dust. Like, yeah. she's, I don't know, I, I want Christmas Invasion Rose where she's just going... Oh, the Slovene, the Daleks. She's just naming things. Yeah. But like with a big the more agency. Because her life's <laughs> under threat and she knows that she has killed aliens. And it just feels really... 
Uh, I don't know, it just feels really contrite. For Rose has a like... portfolio. Yeah. Rose has a portfolio. She has a, a whole portfolio. It feels really not in line with the character for her just to be laying there going, I've got this friend and he's much bigger than you. He's going to beat you up. Like, yeah. she's, I know she says something about the doctor, but she usually says it to reassure people. Yes. She's exactly. like, look, I'm here to comfort you, but my friend the doctor, he's going to sort everything out. It'll be good. Whereas when she's on her own, she should be like, don't point your knife at me. I've literally turned a Dalek emperor into dust. Exactly. Exactly. It's again, it's just everyone being out of character. It's actually so weird. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just. Oh, God. It's, I mean, that's I just, like, yeah. it's my problem with the episodes. It's not bad, but I can't. I can't get. My brain won't let me get past all of the out of character stuff. Um, it's just. It's just not sensing the sense isn't sensing you know it's like after rose calls her camilla something that you get which i also really don't like and i'm, I'm keen to hear your opinion on this is, mm-hmm. is 10 does the oh i'm gonna have to scan your brain to figure out why they want you right which is fine it's an okay concept i don't mind it it's quite tender you know the hands on the temple and obviously she's reciprocating and i don't yeah. know again it's so juvenile that's what i think it is it's juvenile when he's like Oh, you know, if there's any memories you don't want me to see, just imagine a door and I won't be able to see them. And then he's just like, oh, maybe put a door in front of that one. Oh, and that one. It's like, what What are you... What are you... The Doctor doesn't like sex. The Doctor isn't an intimate person. The Doctor finds sex weird. You know, ding dong, okay, I'll read a manual, you know, <laughs> we said before. The Doctor should not be horny. He should not be looking through, I don't know, what, this memory of her what, I don't know, having sex? What, like, whatever it's meant to be that he's seeing. Are there memories of her getting changed? I don't fucking know. But, like, whatever it is he's meant to be seeing in her head, it just shouldn't... I don't know, it just feels so weird. Uh, all I'm saying is bring back some Patrick Troughton because he would have gone through a scene, they're all grown up, and she would have been like, oh, it's me, I'm Renette, and he just would have gone, oh, crumbs. <laughs> oh, my giddy arm. <laughs> Rather than gone, oh my god, you're busty. Whatever it is he says. <laughs> I think this is he says, goodness how you've grown. I know, I know he doesn't says my I know he doesn't say my god, you're busty. <laughs> that <would laughs> no, that's what Eleven would have said. <laughs> yeah, but then pointed to like a, a bust on the side table. Yeah, true. Yeah. This um, is true. I do think this episode oh, would have been really interesting with a different doctor at the helm of it, you know? Yeah, it feels I've... Do you know what? Sorry, can I just say this? I feel like this would have been a really good 13 episode. I was literally just about to say that. Oh, honestly, something easily, so I'll just have a companion go through first. Yes? Be, be like, I've just seen this fucking whack-ass shit on the other side of this fireplace. It's like another time in, in history. The doctor go, oh, impossible, then go through, then see an attractive lady standing there and they haven't got the context then of them being like a literal child that they've met no literally actually do you know what no no you've actually just said something really interesting there i think this episode would have been really cool if like rose accidentally went through to the other side at the start yeah no I she's like, oh, doctor, yeah. and he's like oh rose come back and he's like trying to scan and get it working and while he's trying to get it open she's talking to renette and she's dealing with this clockwork droid and then the doctor gets the fireplace working um sorts out uh grabs the clockwork droid and they all go through to the other side whatever and then rose is like oh my god and he's like what happened and she's like i don't know something like that because then it would have been less fucking creepy it would have been less strange and it also would have given rose more agency and stuff to do yeah um exactly exactly 
But yes, I hate that she has no agency around the setups of the gag, but drunk ten. I could have spread my wings. I think I've invented the banana daiquiri, whatever it is. Like three, three centuries early or something like that. Three centuries early. Always bring a banana to a party for us. Bananas are good. Bananas are good. Um, I really like... My favourite is... It's you. You're my favourite. You are. Do you know why? Because <laughs> you're so thick. And that the way he says thick is thick. Do you know what I thick. mean? Thick. It's the thick, thick, thickety, thick town, thickania. And so is your dad. dad. It's great. Just the tie, the tie around the head. Oh yeah, what is it? It's, it's, perfect. Like, it's like you're so thick, you're so incredibly thick that you probably think yeah. this is a glass of wine. And then pours it down. It's great. It's great. It's yeah. perfect. I really love. I do really like when Rose says, "Look what the cat dragged in the oncoming storm." It's very Jackie. It's very Jackie Tyler. Vibe. I mean, yeah, because even even the doctor says, "Ah, oh, you sound like your mother." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah, no, because that's the thing. As much as I, yeah, I wish he had more agency. I do like that. Yeah, she's picking him up, and then he comes singing, and she's like, "Yeah, look what the cat dragged in the oncoming the storm. oncoming storm." Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, just again, while we're on the Rose Tyler hype train, gotta say, love her hair in this episode, but it's standing out more in this episode. And maybe it's because her outfit is much more neutral. Jeans and a t-shirt. That like the hair is giving. No, I really love the crimping of the hair. It's giving tooth and claw energy. But yeah, so I love uh, love Rose's crimped hair, very tooth and claw vibes. Um, another thing in terms of like hair, makeup, costume, um, Madame de Pompadour's costumes are beautiful. Like the extras costumes, beautiful. Mm. The king, you know, the king of France, everything. Like all of the period costumes are stunning. Oh yeah, really good attention to detail. There must have been some kind of adaptation of like... You know, something something happening around this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I know it's not quite the same period, but you know, like a a BBC kind of War and Peace or something. You know. Exactly. No, but it, they're really good costumes. I love almost kind of like, like the bodice bit on um, Madame de Pompadour's costume, like the main costume she wears, kind of towards the end. It's like got just loads of diamonds and like it. It just it just looks so like it just looks so good. It just looks so so good. So, of course, uh, on the long list of notable exes that the Doctor has, which Mickey brings up to uh, cruelly ridicule Rose again, because as yes. is his want, he mentions, of course, Cleopatra. As yes. Rose says, only mentioned her once, but he did call her Cleo. He, he did Cleo. call her Cleo. To be fair, that made me laugh. That did make me giggle. Like that's the thing. I don't mind the allusions to having like relationships with historical figures. It's, it's, it's watching it play out. That's a little like, yeah. It's just a bit weird, isn't it? So, as questionable as we think the ending of you know, the Doctor staying with Madame de Pompadour is, whether he would actually do that, whether it is reflective of the character, gotta say, for all the effects in the show, that horse coming through the mirror actually pretty good. It's good. Until uh, the horse actually steps foot onto ground. Yeah, it's it's almost because it's not it's not the usual kind of it doesn't look like a usual CGI effect. It's almost like rotoscoped into the footage. Yeah, it's like, weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Which for me personally feels a bit more seamless because you're used to seeing it more from like 
how you would see effects in maybe older movies and stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, and it has a bit more of a charm to it than that kind of awkward, like, CGI stuff that they do. For me, the yeah. only place where it gets painful is when you can just tell that David Tennant didn't want to learn how to ride a horse. <laughs> because the stunt rider that they have in his costume has got, like, a mullet. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a vibe, is it? It's oh. really not. All those low angle shots of him, what probably sitting on a box, pretending to like oh, that. It's not. It's not great. I will say though, I love his little wink that he does. Yeah, it's a cool entrance. I really like it. And again, the shatter, like the shattering glass effect, looks good. The sound is cool. It's a really cool entrance. Yeah. So yeah, not not unhappy about that. I'm just unhappy with the decision that is then made in the scene. <laughs> I want to say something actually. This is a perfect time to bring this up. I think the logic of the ship. And the way the time windows work is so iffy. It's not consistent, in my opinion. Mm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like, oh, it's obviously jumped forward because of this. Oh, it's obviously doing this because it's this. And it's like, eh, is it obvious? Yeah, I mean, this episode is full of conveniences. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, just... Even the way they get their clockwork droids to stop is just... Oh, they don't have a purpose anymore. They're stopped now. Yeah, this is it. It would have been much cooler, and I guess something that a later version of Ten would have done, but it would have been a lot cooler to be like, well, you don't have a purpose anymore, so, you know, how many, how long you got left in those batteries? What, a year or whatever? And then you just left them ticking away on the ship until they, their batteries burn out. That would have been quite cool, actually. Feels a little... Feels... That would have been really cool, actually. So it feels a little more maybe sort of Series 3, 4, 10, Time Lord Victorious yeah. kind of stuff um but it would have been a good little nasty bit of nastiness just a bit nasty in it bit nasty. nasty i think a lot of the logic with the ship isn't well realized and it because it, it's a really cool idea i just think a lot of it is just a little bit convenient and just mm, i don't know now here's my thing with the ending there are actually some really beautiful moments in the ending i genuinely think the ending is quite sad and quite beautiful and quite I don't know, it makes me feel very emotional when I watch it. When Renette takes the Doctor to the original fireplace, which she had moved, which is a good idea, um, and he realises that, you know, it still connects to the ship, which, again, that makes just no sense to me. Just no, Again, I'm maybe being stupid, but it's just, again, it's just like the logic makes no sense. Well, yeah. Not that there's logic to it, but, you know. Yeah. And then the Doctor is like, oh, wish me luck. And she's like, no, which I actually quite like. I think that's because, you know, she's happy. She wanted to show because she knows what he actually wants, but she doesn't want him to go. She wants him to stay with her. But then it's like, Doctor, if you wanted to take her and to show her the stars and show her what she, the uh, the universe, did you not think, oh, hang on, every time I've gone through back to the ship, time skips forward like a bunch? should have grabbed her with you so, and taken her with you. Like, imagine being that stupid. Like, I just thought the Doctor in this episode is just a bit dumb. That is my, like, key thing that I dislike about this ending. Because like you say, I think that in some places it's quite nice. You know, the score is good. Like, the actors are on form. Um, it, it, it's quite sad just because it's just a well-executed kind of thing. Like, imagine how much mm -hmm. I'd feel if I actually cared about the character. Like, God. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that I kept thinking was just like, 410, right, who seems to know everything about Madame de Pompadour, to not realise that she dies at an extremely young age and to not think, oh, as soon as I go through, 
time moves forward, right? I would even I would even not mind, right, if he was like, oh, I'm so excited, this is going to be great. Tell you what, I've got two minutes, going to go back to the TARDIS. And if he'd whipped around in that fireplace and then just had, like, a realisation, maybe even hadn't gone back, right? We don't even need to get that confirmed, because I know they want to have the letter. But if he just kind of walks up and he's a bit sad and you're kind of maybe wondering why, and Rose asks what happened, and he just gives you that little, you know, Madame Pompadour, she's 43, when she died. She died really young. Yeah. And he's just sad. Yeah. Like, would have been, I don't know, it's just there's something about him not realising and making other people realise for him. He's too silly. out of character. And I feel like, yeah, maybe having an ending where he realises in himself, in the excitement, and has to stop himself and then just be sad would have worked maybe just slightly better. I could not agree more with you, honest to God, really and truly. I just think it's so dumb. Like, you know when you go through that fireplace that time jumps forward. Yeah. I've what so I've why the is, fuck is contrived for emotional stakes at the end of the episode? Yeah, but I do like Broody Ten. I love Broody Ten. Um, I will say the King of France mm. in the future. You know when he goes back and he's, he's he's like you know you've just missed her. That whole speech he did is supposed to be really emotional, but it's just exposition. Oh yeah, like I do quite I do quite enjoy the the way he says oh like um you just missed her and then like sort of. Yeah, um, yeah, she's on her way to Paris by now. That's like quite a nice little sort of, you know, you've not got the full context yet, and that's quite nice. And then right at yeah, the end, yeah, yeah. and then at the end, I like as he sort of says, you know, the Madame de Pompadour or whatever it is he says, you know, leaving Versailles for the last time. Like that's quite sweet. But everything in between is just him explaining how she died. Exactly, and like <laughs> just really expositionally nonsense. But then also when he's like, you know, um, oh, you know what women are like. She waited for you to come back and you never did kind of thing. And it's like, so she had emotions and feelings. That's what you're saying. The only bit that I actually really liked from that is when he when he gives Ten the letter and he's holding it and the King of France says, what did she say? And then Ten puts it in his jacket pocket and the King of France just goes, quite right. That's quite like yeah. a, that's a nice, subtle little moment. Yeah. I do think I'll tell you another thing I don't I don't like. Sorry, I'm not trying to be negative, but I said okay, Another thing that I didn't really like because now you've said the king and the doctor reminded me. You know when the doctor comes through the mirror mm-hmm. and uh, Renette's like, "Oh, this is my lover, the King of France," and he goes, "Yeah, well, I'm the Lord of Time." It's like, "Oh, shut up! I hate it. I hate when two men are fighting over a woman. It's so boring, and I hate it." Yeah, especially because he doesn't need he doesn't need to. No, we the doctor's never needed to do that. We already know he's better than the King of France. He doesn't need yeah. to do this. But yeah, you know, the ending is still quite sad. And, you know, it leaves you on quite a sad note. Mm-hmm. When the TARDIS dematerialises and you see the Madame de Pompadour painting, so I'm mm. guessing what that's referring to is that, so you know how a lot of things are named after historical people and yeah. things like that? Ships like spaceships also like that in the hmm. world of Doctor Who. Um, so that's obviously why the robots were like, we need to find Madame de Pompadour's part because it's her ship. And they obviously got confused. Yeah. But then again, there's no context given to this crew that were on the ship. It's j- you get what I'm trying to say. I don't have to fucking go on about it. I do. I know what you're trying to say. You get what I'm saying. And I you know agree. What I'm so, Dan, what for you personally is your standout moment of this episode? If there is one. My standout moment is the horse. <laughs> just in general. 
Arthur the horse. You're Arthur not keeping the horse. the horse. I let you keep Mickey. I love, I love the way she's so tired when she says that. She goes, "No, you're not keeping no, you're not the horse." Keeping the horse. Yeah. No, no, no. Genuinely, that's not my standout moment, but I do like that moment. Um, my standout moment. I actually really like when Renette walks onto the ship and she kind of hears her voice. Mm. Oh, I will say one thing we forgot to mention. I also do really like the idea of like body parts fueling a, a ship. I think that's quite cool. Yeah, really underexplored. Should be done. Yeah, really underexplored. Like most of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's my stand-up moment? I hear you ask. Yeah. Uh, stand-up moment probably for me bit of a bit of a cliche but that is just me personally i am a cliche with a quiff um it is probably uh drunk 10 oh yeah just enjoyable good bit of acting good jokes fun little scene roads like jackie water like wine 10 on 10 bingo what was your least favorite moment your weakest moment Weakest moment. Okay, well, I'm going to pick something now that we've not talked about um, because sometimes it's fun just to be a bit of a pedant and do a little nitpick because we have talked enough about some of the troubling sexual implications of the episode. So I'll go with something that just really made me laugh, uh, which is when they first meet the uh, seven-year-old Renette. Uh, even though the TARDIS translates the French into English, for some reason she still says Monsieur. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's not great, yeah. <laughs> I get Hello, it. Hello, monsieur. Goodbye, monsieur. Maybe it's because it's a common French word that everybody doesn't need translated, but also you could say that about bonjour and adieu and other common French words. But there we are. Just make me laugh a little bit. They're like, oh, yeah, it translates to French, except for monsieur. But call me a pedant. <laughs> a pedant you are. <laughs> Damler, or if I was indeed posh, Damler. Uh, <laughs> Damn <laughs> uh, uh, what is a moment that didn't work for you? I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna mention something we already mentioned. Sorry. Um, Absolutely fine. Everyone just being out of really out of character, to be honest. It is Especially Ten. A sore thumb. Sticks out. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan of that. And what is for you personally, for you right now, you there sitting in front of me with your Red painted nails attached to some fingers that you got uh, in the palm of your hand that's sitting opposite <laughs> your chin. What have you right there, right now? What's what's your most doctory moment? There, I left enough of a gap and then said it clean, so you can add that in there. My most doctory moment for me, for me, is it's I, I I'm kind of stuck between. It's kind of similar to the tooth and claw one that I had when the doctor takes the mask off of the robot, you know, the robots that are like threatening to kill them all. And mm. he just goes, oh, that is beautiful. Oh, it never fails to see the beauty in everything. Yeah, hard agree, actually. What about you? Uh, I think there's something else for the sake of variety, but honestly, that's... You say the same thing as me. It's a pretty good one, to be honest. I think everything else that everything else is skating around being doctory, but it's never doctory enough. What about the snog Madame de Pompadour line? You said that was quite doctory. It is very doctory. I think it, it. It's just. I don't like it in the context, but him, him, being kissed by anybody and then only being able to sort of celebrate the fact that that was a historical figure for that one brief line, we get a proper doctorism. So actually, yeah, probably that with some with some jogging there from Denver at the end, probably that moment. There you go. Thank you. 
But favourite quote? Favourite quote? My favourite quote is probably a bit of a rogue one. A lot of people probably wouldn't think. But I honestly think in the... Just that... It's, it's quite a romantic line and I quite like it. Um, it's one Renette at the end. She says to the doctor, so here you are, my lonely angel, stuck on the slow path with me. That's oh, quite nice. It's nice, isn't it? The slow path, the idea of the slow path, I, I quite like that. Um, I mean, yeah. a runner-up. Can I say a runner-up? It's not my favourite, but it was the runner-up and I do want to say it. Of course. And heck, you sometimes pick two quotes, but it's my turn, all right? Oh, yeah, I always pick two. Like, because we... we so I like to do a bit of... I like to do a normal one. I like to do a bit of a silly one. A bit of a... I mean, we'll do a fun one. So, of course, always pick two. I would encourage it. My other line is another Renette line. Mm-hmm. But you and I know, don't we, Rose? The Doctor is worth the monsters. Ah. Another romantic line. Who is she? I'm, I'm, a, I'm just... I'm just sappy this week. You are. There you go. Blimey. What about well, you? What's your favourite quote quotes whatever well uh, i'll twisted my arm i guess i'll give two then uh, <laughs> a funny and a serious no one's my genuine favorite one is that i feel we will be shouted out by the listeners and remiss not to of course mention what's a horse doing on a spaceship mickey what's pre-revolutionary france doing on a spaceship kept some perspective <laughs> lovely great line absolutely tears every time but that is like that People who don't watch Doctor Who know that line. Yeah, exactly. Very famous, but I didn't want anyone to think that we were missing anything out by not mentioning it. No, of course not, of course. Um, but my personal favourite, as in one that just speaks to me personally, always gets the sh- chills going, is right mm-hmm. at the end, um, just for Tens Left Alone in the TARDIS, and Rose just goes, Are you all right? It's, I'm always all right. Aww. Through like that little, you just uh, the sadness is there in the background, but uh, I'm I'm always alright. It's great. Yeah, I like that. I will say uh, to counteract that with another funny thing. I have another runner-up. <laughs> will yeah. you stop following me? I'm not your mother. <laughs> He'd love. Uh, even to be fair, even to give some context to the, uh, you're not keeping the horses. I just like the way he's like. It's like you go with Mickey and Arthur. She's like. Arthur? Yeah, good name for a horse. No, you're not keeping the horse. I'm keeping the horse. I let you keep Mickey. It's great. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. So, darling, what we'd like to do here on Come Long Pond, we'd like to rate the episode out of five. We always rate out of five, we don't rate out of ten. Ten is just too big. Out of five, what would you rate the girl in the fireplace? Uh, I don't need to think about this one. It's a two. Fair dues. Two, for being like fun and um, enjoyable enough to just put on a watch, but uh, also being, in my opinion, baffling, bad, inconsistent, misogynistic, and genuinely troubling. <laughs> oh, they went there. They went there. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, the one Moffat episode next season, when we get to it, it's pretty good. <laughs> Oh, Lord. It's not as weird sex stuff, but it's a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what about you, sweetie? What would you give this out of five? For me, and it's always for me, I would give this episode a two and a half out of five. Mm. Half marks. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's some really great little moments in there, but overall it's just very, the characters are very inconsistent 
are very out of character, very, it's just, it's, they, they, yeah, and then obviously the weird romance thing with Renette and the Doctor is just not it for me. You yeah. yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, would you look at that? That is the end of another episode of Come Along Pond, a Doctor Who discussion podcast. We brought the lights down, the curtains have closed on a, another wonderful episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. If you didn't, you probably won't hear the wrap-up because you would have stopped about halfway through. At least that's what the yeah. analytics tell me. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. oh, dear. So, wrap-up admin. Where can you find us? Well... Currently now, most exciting, you can find us over on Patreon. That's right, we have a Patreon set up. We only have one tier at the moment. It is £3. You get a shout-out on the show, which is what I'm going to do now. So we have two wonderful Patreons over there. We have uh, Trans Girl Aubrey and we have Lewis. They are both committing £3 to us, which we absolutely love. You guys are the absolute best. We really appreciate it. It means the world. £3 is the lowest we can set the tier, so we are literally asking for the bare minimum, but also please don't ever feel pressured to give us money. Literally by listening yep. to this or giving us a rating or just telling your friends about it is doing well, so much not. more than we already expect. It is incredible. Sending us emails, anything like that, we really appreciate it. So never, ever, ever feel pressured into giving us any money. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So you don't need to give us money, but you can get in touch with us. Keep up with us. Places like TikTok. We are on TikTok at Come Along Pond Podcast. TikTok is so much fun. We have so many views over there. We've got so many followers. We have stories. We have funny little videos. We've got clips. You'll always know when an episode comes out on TikTok because we have it up as a story. And there'll be a clip from the episode up there as well. It's a great way to engage. You can read the comments, even some of the nasty ones, and see what people are saying, see what people are doing. Uh, if you <laughs> yeah. come over here from the TikTok, we'd love hearing about it. Please send us an email. You can email us at comealongpondpod at gmail.com. Say, hey, I came from the TikTok, and we really love you guys. And also, please don't read my email out, because if you don't want it read out, do specify. Otherwise, I'll include your name <laughs> and your date of birth and your postal address. <laughs> Uh, if TikTok is not your bag and you don't like sending emails because you're not in your 40s, you can get in touch with us on Instagram. We are at Come Along Pond Podcast. Over there, we post photos to let you know when our episodes have gone live. We also do funny little stories, and our TikToks get posted over there as little video clips on uh, Reels, so you can check those out over there as well if TikTok's really not your bag, because I don't blame you. It's confusing. We are on Twitter <laughs> at Come Along Pond DW. So I took the name Come Along Pond Podcast. I've never forgiven them. Uh, the Twitter is currently still quite inactive, but we are planning on getting better at that. Same with the YouTube as well. We have half the season uploaded, but that is all changing very soon because there are now so many of you that we are going to have to get very, very serious about this, and we really appreciate it. So things are in yes. flux uh, and changing all the time, but we do nothing but strive here to deliver you the best content possible, and we really hope that you have enjoyed and that you continue enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just saying, yeah, but it's because you're saying everything so wonderfully. I feel like I don't need to elaborate anymore. Yeah, this is the part of the show where Damla gets locked out for two minutes, so I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but honestly, other than that, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time where you'll be listening to the first part of the Cyberman 2 parter, which is called Rise of the Cybermen, I believe. Rise of the Cyberman, and then it's Age of Steel after Age that. Age of Steel. So it'll be great fun. Um, we do two parts and a separate episode, but we record in a bulk, so uh, that's going to be great fun to hear our thoughts on that. Stunning, work. stunning. There, I, I, don't, stunning. I don't have anything else to say except for Damla. 
thank you so much for joining me this evening. And thank you to you. Oh, such a good time. Even though like we were mainly being a bit negative, but like still had such a good time. Sometimes you just got to do it, you know. And incidentally, thank you to everybody for listening at home, regardless of what time of day it is. I'm saying good evening to Dan because it's the night time. Um, yes. <laughs> but I'm aware you can listen to this whenever you like. Whenever you like, honestly. It's currently 3.45 p.m. I just want to freak someone out if they're listening to it at quarter to four in the afternoon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But no, thank you so much for listening again. Thank you, Dan. We really appreciate it. And in the meantime, we'll give you air from our lungs. Sometimes we forget to do that. But Oh dear. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Bye now. Bye. Back in a tick. Cheerio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.